0: This program, of course, is presented by Pro Wrestling Illustrated, the most widely read, widely sold, and respected wrestling magazine in the world today. This is the Pro Wrestling Illustrated Podcast. I am your host, PWI senior writer Al Castle, With my co-host, fellow senior writer, Dan Murphy. How are you, Dan? I am another host. I am Dan Murphy. I'm doing well. (laughs) Yes. And you've been busy as of late, right? This isn't the only podcast you've done in in the last few days.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's uh, one of a few, but uh, the big one being uh, Jim Ross doing the uh, the Ross Report uh, last week, uh, talking the PWI 500.
0: Yes. It's been uh, a topic of a lot of debate, as it always is this time of year. Yeah. A lot to talk about on that front. A little later, we are going to be joined... um, by none other than Ring of Honor heavyweight champion Adam Cole, who I spoke to uh, earlier today. We covered uh, a lot of topics. Obviously, uh, you know, uh, his his latest reign with the Ring of Honor title, how it differs from his first reign uh, years ago. Inevitably, we talked a little bit of WWE and, and not just the prospects of him going to WWE, uh, but whether he's bothered about people always bringing it up to him. And uh, we even talked a little CM Punk, and, and uh, Dan and I will be talking about that in just a moment. But for uh, right now, let's talk about uh, PWI and the PWI 500, as, as I mentioned. Um, if you're a subscriber, you would uh, be flipping through it right now. You could flip through it right now. It uh, came in, in the mailbox, a lot of people, in the last couple weeks. And uh, again, the, the way to go here is to subscribe uh, to PWI. Don't miss an issue. Don't worry about finding it. Uh, in the newsstands, let it take care of itself. Go to pwi-online.com and subscribe. You know, get the one issue. Do what you like. I mean, you get a, a big savings by going ahead and subscribing. And the longer you subscribe for, uh, the the bigger the discount—a uh, half off uh, the cover price at least. Uh, so anyway, uh, the the 500 uh, again is out now. It is, I think, the most comprehensive. The most respected ranking of uh, wrestlers in any given year. We we look all over the globe and uh, all over the independents. Really scour every nook and cranny of the wrestling world to put together uh, this list. Roman Reigns is on the cover. He's this year's number one. Uh, No shortage of controversy uh, on that one. And uh, Dan, I don't know about you, but I was just flipping through it. And again, I mean, this issue comes in the mail, and if I've you know maybe I've got a minute or something, I've got to leave to. get to work and I think I'm just gonna take a quick uh look at it and before I know it I'm just you know deep into the couch just reading and reading and flipping through it and reading I mean that's that's the one real great thing about the PWI 500.
1: Yeah I'm the same way um a lot of times uh, one of my faults as a a writer in general is once I write something I never want to look at it I never want to you know revise it or once it comes out I never read it it's different with the 500. Yeah. Um, 500, even if I've written a lot of the bios, I'll reread them because, you know, things have changed. A little bit of time has passed since when I, I wrote them, but they're, they're still written in, in such a way as to be relevant and talk about the wrestler's accomplishments during that evaluation period. Um, but we, it, it's, it's something that we put a lot of time and effort into, and we're doing it on deadlines. So, you know, th- there's always that, that kind of tension of, of trying to meet deadline and, and get it out. Um, but then when you can sit back and enjoy the finished product, I mean, it's, it's really, um, something I, I can't stress enough. And I mentioned it on the Ross report is a lot of times people will, for anyone listening, if you've seen the PWI 500 list online and, uh, you say, okay, well, how did this guy get ranked here? How did this guy get ranked here? Pick up the issue. I mean, read yeah. through it because it, it, we don't just run, you know, a list. We run full bios of everybody, what they've accomplished. Uh, you know, years pro, where they've worked, what titles they've won, what their signature moves are, what's interesting about them, and, and try to condense that down into a readable, uh, you know, section. And uh, I think we do a real good job of it, uh, you know. So uh, it, it is definitely a readable issue and, and something that I think will enlighten a lot of people.
0: Yeah, one of the fun things for me is, is both to read um, the, the ones I put together, and um, just a peek behind the curtain, there is, I got a list in front of us, there are, seven of us uh and among the seven we kind of distributed it uh who writes what uh it's fun to read the ones i wrote and then kind of see where you know i tag out to uh harry who i think has like the next 50 and seeing the the different styles of writing and and it's fun to see what they include that i don't include everybody's got their own style of doing these um and you know because you know, I don't know that we, we'd run a credit box, and maybe we do, and I don't even know about it. Uh, but but it's worth mentioning, you know, you you and I, Dan, you know, do the most talking about this, uh, but fellow senior writer Harry Burkett uh, does a lot of the work. Does a fantastic job. Uh, Louis D., obviously. Kevin McIlvaney, who we had here uh, last week. Uh, Brady Hicks, who we have to have on. You know, he he's a, a part of, uh, a longtime part of PWI, and in some ways more visible than than all of us. And uh, Mike Bessler... We have all the time and and then obviously you dan uh you got a whole bunch of them uh so uh anyway and and it's not just you know the rankings again uh harry dan and i give our our takes at the end of it we've got um all kind of ways to sort of look at the data um your interview with roman reigns some audio uh which we featured featured here last week and uh so much more a fantastic issue uh you know one certainly one of the biggest of the year but before you know it, Dan, you know you mentioned earlier today you're already hard at work at uh, on the next big issue. As am I. Uh, you're putting together the Female Fifty now, right?
1: Yes. Yeah. I'm uh, about a third of the way through it. Uh, List is already created. Writing all of the bios and collecting all of the artwork and everything like that, and and trying to pull it all together. But uh, that one is 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 really kind of near and dear to my heart. It's it's something I've I've had the opportunity to be involved with since we we started it. Maybe eight years ago seven eight years ago and um it's really something to see how women's wrestling in particular has taken off during that time um there were a lot of people who made the first list uh, who who were prominent and and they did a lot of things but um they certainly wouldn't make the top 100 today um you know the 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 bar has been raised and it's really kind of cool to see how things change the other thing with with the women in particular is even with your top 50 There's so much turnover because you'll have women, say, like A.J. Lee, um, who will retire very young. Um, You know, women will have different, you know, uh, priorities than men. You know, they want to have a family. They have to take at least a year or so off, you know, to to have kids and to take that time. Um, So you see a lot more turnover and you see somebody who maybe was on the periphery um, two years ago. They could be in the top five or six this year. Yeah, uh, so the turnaround is even more so than it is with the men, and it's uh, it's really pretty uh, fun to watch. Uh, just you know the 50, but also you know from year to year.
0: Do you find it easier in just that it it's fewer, you know, quantity wise? You're not talking about 500 uh, people to rank, just 50. Or Uh-oh. and I know this as a writer, sometimes the hardest thing is is leaving things out, not having enough uh, space to include what you want. So I think that's a challenge too. Only having fifty uh, spots
1: to rank, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I could easily do a, a top one hundred. Um, there are very, very talented women that we ha- that are left out because it- it's a top fifty. And if we were to do what we do with the men, with the men we do international. Uh, with the women, we focus just on North America. And when we first established the female fifty, uh, because the thing is, you know, when we first started the female fifty, you had the Divas division in WWE. And what the divas are doing and what they're doing in Japan, completely different things. I mean, yeah. you really can't even compare those two things. Today, it's it's changing a little bit more. And maybe we'll get to an, a, a state where we, we open up the female 50 to competitors who are outside of North America. Um, but if we were to do that, then I, I could easily see us doing the top 150 or 200 women and, and still having some left over. So it's it's pretty interesting. There's a lot going on yeah i mean
0: i think every year we revisit this issue of is 50 enough and with every year that passes i imagine it's it's harder and harder to keep it at just 50 and it might be something that uh you know we'll have to revisit down the line in the coming years uh anyhow as i said pwi dash online is uh the place to go uh subscribe now while you're there listen to the podcast right here and go on itunes and subscribe to the podcast and uh, listen to past episodes. We're we're going on two years now uh, of this thing, and uh, follow us on Twitter at official PWI. I was uh, live tweeting backlash Sunday night with Mike, and uh, find us on Facebook. I just updated it uh, the page for the first time in a little while the other day, and uh, just go to Facebook and you can uh, search PWI Pro Wrestling Illustrated, and it should come up. All right, uh, Dan. Lot to talk about. Um, where should we begin? Well, why don't we begin with with uh, a story that sort of transcended wrestling? And I talked to, um, as I said, Adam Cole a little bit about it. CM Punk. Uh, this past Sunday, after you know nearly two years of hype, finally steps into the octagon, and before you know it, it was over. Uh, did you get
1: a chance to see it? <laughs> You know what I saw? I saw a GIF or JIF or however you want to find That's probably it. all you need to see. That's the, basically the whole fight. Um, yeah, if you
0: saw but, uh, Dolph Ziggler and uh, The Miz on Sunday night, you pretty much yeah, saw it too.
1: Exactly, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, the thing is, I had really mixed feelings about this. I didn't know where to come down. Um, CM Punk's an enigmatic guy. Um, on one hand, he, he's you got to love him because he's fiercely independent, He's, he'll, he's outspoken, he'll speak his mind, um, and, and he he believes in doing things his own way. And that's respectable. Uh, on the other hand, he can come off as arrogant and unfriendly and, and very, you know, immature in a lot of ways. And uh, leaving WWE, I gave him respect for that because he's not a guy who ever really fit into that corporate environment. And WWE is increasingly corporate, it's publicly traded, it's, it's you know, he, he was a square peg in a round hole for a long time, and he got out. But then he wanted to um, get into UFC. He wanted to get into MMA. And he spent two years training. Two years training with a professional coach. And he could not have done any worse. <laughs> I, mean, I mean this from in, in the real seriousness. He, he charges in. His opponent shoots in with a double leg. He throws a really weak right hand like he's never thrown a punch in his life gets taken down, immediately does the cardinal sin and goes to his belly instead of his back so he can fight out of a guard, gives up his back, takes a bunch of shots to the head, and gets tapped out with a rear naked choke. You could find literally anyone on any street corner who would fight at least that well in their MMA debut. So for two years, CM Punk, and kudos to him for chasing his dream or whatever you want to say, um, but he had no business doing this He's like a couch potato who got up and said, "I'm going to run a marathon," and then collapsed at the two-mile mark and had to get an ambulance to take him off the course. Um, so I, I admire him in a lot of ways. In a lot of ways, I'm kind of glad that you know he really just kind of got exposed because um, you know he, he just did not deserve to be at, at that level. You are harsh, Dan. Wow. Yeah, I, I know. I, I've, I've wrestled with it, no pun intended. Because the guy is good, and his friends love him, and the people who like him like him, and, and I've had mixed feelings about him, and, and what he does in the wrestling ring is good. But watching that fight, you could put Joey Buttafuoco in there, and he would have done just as well. I mean, it was really, really embarrassing. Well,
0: here's uh, uh, some of my take on it. And uh, I'm a big MMA guy, you know, Probably about as much as as uh, I watch wrestling these days, if not more. I'm I'm watching MMA, so I've followed this uh, closely. I watched the whole card uh, on Saturday night. It went exactly as uh, I thought it it would. I mean, I said all along, first round submission. He'll you know he's lucky if he gets uh, barely any offense uh, at all in. I mean, it probably went a little bit worse because you'd think whatever, and maybe he would have at least thrown a punch that connected. Uh, but yeah, he did he did nothing at all. That said, um, you know he defended the submission for longer than I would expect it. It, it. You know, it it wasn't. I don't know if you ever saw the uh, the Randy Couture James Tony fight a few years ago. Kind of the closest comparison. Tony was a uh, a world championship boxer who also wanted to try MMA, and and I think that fight might have lasted longer. I'm not sure, but Couture just submitted him right away, um, and. In Punk's defense, you know he he did his best to to get out of it before finally being, uh, choked out. But yeah, it it was uh, an embarrassment. That said, uh, I I still don't put any of this on Punk. I mean his his payday was released over the last couple of days, and he made a half million dollars, just guaranteed. And I imagine with pay per view points and what, what have you, thing? it'll be a lot more than that. So why <laughs> wouldn't he? And just, and. I'm- the, Doctor, the story is that UFC reached out to him, not the not the other way around.
1: So, I don't begrudge him for doing it. But no, Punk's whole ethos, his whole doctrine, his whole personal persona is it's not about the money. It's about chasing the dream. It's about doing what I can. And and if that's your thing, if if it's it's personal accomplishment and chasing the dream, he failed terribly. He embarrassed himself. Terribly. Well, he would say
0: he um, he didn't fail because. He made the walk, and I don't know that he ever seriously thought he was going to win. If if he uh, did, and I'm sure uh, Duke Rufus, who's his trainer, who we've had on the podcast, who you interviewed yep. uh, some months uh, some months ago, um, you know they did their homework, and I think they knew that. Mickey Gall being an, an 0 and 2 fighter was a little misleading because he'd been training for years and years and years and had a number of amateur fights under his belt. And it was a a legit brown belt in jiu-jitsu, trained with Jim Miller, who was a UFC veteran uh, in New Jersey. This was a, a real fighter. So I can't believe they honestly thought that Punk had any kind of chance. Um, You know, maybe they thought he would survive a little bit longer, but they couldn't seriously think that he was going to win. And there's just been zero evidence in, in the the uh, training footage that came out about Punk. And there was a good amount of it that he knew what he was doing. I mean, there was really almost nothing that he did that looked, you know, even close to impressive. I mean, he just he didn't look very good. Well, um, all that said... My takeaway at the end of the fight was this went about as well as you could expect, in as much as they created a star in in Mickey Gold. I don't want this to become too much of an MMA conversation, but, you know, it's kind of a pro wrestling thing. He gave the rub to somebody, made a star, did the honors, uh, so to speak, on the way out. Punk gave the inspirational uh, speech after all, you know, that he won just by making the walk chase your dreams don't let anybody tell you that you can't do what you want to do uh there you know i i I think there's a good chance that it put it 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 had a lot of more eyes on that pay-per-view that they wouldn't have had otherwise people who talk about this being like disastrous for ufc and disastrous for even pro wrestling i think it's a little bit overblown you know no harm no foul bringing this back to to pro wrestling dan Does any of this make it more likely, less likely, you know, neither that we see Punk in a wrestling ring um, again one day?
1: Yes, I think we will see Punk back in a wrestling ring. I don't think it'll be a WWE ring, Um, you know, and and just to touch on the point that you made about his his speech at the end where he says, you know, he he, he succeeded because he made the walk or, you know, never listen to the people who tell you you can't do it. Honestly? He should have listened to the people to tell who told him he couldn't do it because he couldn't do it. If if you genuinely cannot do it, and people say, hey man, don't jump out that window because you can't fly. Jumping out the window and falling to your death is not something to, to praise. He he was literally delusional. And he went out there and, and kind of made, made an ass of himself. Now, again, like you said, will it lead back to WW or to, to a wrestling ring? Yes. Because he is a draw. He has a personality. Uh, people do want to see what he does next, and he can make money for for whether it's him or whatever company, New Japan or Ring of Honor. Probably New Japan will offer him enough money to to lure him back at some point. I think because frankly, w- what's he going to do from now? I mean, he, he's I'm sure he's set very well financially. He made the half million payday off that fight, um, but you know he's he's got another. 30, 40 years before he wants to settle into social security um you know i think he's going to want to do something for a living and i i don't see him bagging groceries so i yeah. think he'll be back in the ring at some point
0: yeah that was kind of my takeaway too and it, and it wasn't something that i even gave a lot of thought going into this but um you know considering how bad he looked and uh even dana white saying afterwards suggesting that you know it was one and done for him and Um, He shouldn't have his next fight in UFC. There's some, you know, talk does UFC sign him to essentially a retainer and let him fight on some smaller um, properties that that it's affiliated with on its network just to keep him away from some of its competitors like Bellator, which would, you know, absolutely throw a ton of money at, at Punk and, you know, pull a fan from the crowd to have him fight so he could get a win uh to and do a huge number on television so to do that to avoid that it's possible that UFC kind of keeps them uh under contract but I you know one of my takeaways was uh I think as you just suggested I wonder if all of this makes Punk think you know what maybe I should just stick with pro wrestling (laughs) because he he couldn't have um left that with a ton of confidence that he's got a future here you know he it it wasn't like he he showed enough to to make you think that oh you know if he could just get a little more training and and uh, get another shot out there a little more seasoning uh he could do more and and at you know at some point you cut your losses do you think look this just really is not for me and and he could continue to train it. I mean, there's tons of guys in in every neighborhood. I go up the block. And there's an MMA gym, and you see a ton of dads and working people who are training. So nothing is stopping him from doing that. But as far as what he is cut out to do, I wonder if if this does kind of bring him full circle and make him sort of rediscover or or remember what it was about pro wrestling uh, that he loved. And I agree that that it's super unlikely that that'll be in wwe at least right now never say never uh but you know you you would think that for what his aptitude and his passion is something like a new japan would be a good fit for him um and and uh they could probably afford to to pay him something that he might be interested in and yeah. i could even see him down the line uh, maybe dropping in on, on on Ring of Honor and not even for a lot of money or any money, you know, does he, does he make some appearance with Colt Caban or something like that? Uh, I could see that because, you know, leading up to, to this fight, I was watching some some interviews with him and he did an interview with uh, Ariel Helwani uh, days before he, he quit WWE. I think it was right before the Royal Rumble. And um, clearly he was sort of, you know, tired, burnt out, but... Here was still a guy who was a pro wrestler in his heart. And uh, despite some burnout, still identified as pro wrestler, had a passion for pro wrestling. And I, I can't believe that you just turned that off, you know, because, you know, from from a kid, he fell in love with with pro wrestling. He pursued it. He, he became successful at it. He beat the odds. I mean, he was super dedicated. And this was such a huge part of his life for for so many years. He had the bad breakup, uh, and there's some resentment there. But this kind of being out of his system right now, I just can't help but wonder, does he sort of, you know does does that flame get reignited again? I don't know.
1: And and this is my thing with that. And and that's a good observation. He was a wrestling fan as a kid. But the thing is he also stayed away from a lot of wrestlers. He um he was never part of the wrestling fraternity, so to speak. He was a guy who was kind of reclusive and kept to himself. He had his circle of friends and still does, but it's a very tight circle. And, um, you know, I I, I don't know. He, he was good enough where if I ever needed anything with him, I could email him and he got back to me right away. And, and maybe he won't after he hears this, whatever. But um, <laughs> the, the thing is, he was always the guy who was not a big group guy he had his own vision the things he cared about and, and one of the things i've probably mentioned it on here before but i remember being backstage at a show with him years ago at a outdoor ballpark in july or august and as everybody was kind of hanging out at catering hours before the show hanging out uh, he went out and he ran stairs for at least an hour I, I i just remember him being gone for most of the time because he just didn't want to hang out he, he he wanted to go and work out. And, and kind of avoid the, the hangout. He, he wasn't unfriendly, but he was distant. And I think that that's really kind of characterized him through a lot of his career, and maybe all of his life. But the thing is, he's not the kind of guy who I think needs or feeds on that camaraderie of the wrestling locker room that a lot of guys do. You'll hear a lot of guys after they retire, they get out, they say they miss the, the being with the guys, being in the locker room. That's never been something that I, I've seen that he's really kind of fed on. So maybe he can say, okay, I was a wrestler, I liked it, I did it well, I'm done, and now I'm going to do something else. But I just don't think MMA is going to be that.
0: Yeah, yeah. But also, I I mean, in terms of of, um, watching the product as it is today, there's got to be a—you know, if if he was—not to call him dishonest, but assuming even on a a very peripheral level— he is up to speed with what's going on, and I've got the uh, the Cruiserweight Classic Finals uh, in front of me as I'm watching this. and And Shinsuke Nakamura is the NXT uh, champion, and AJ Styles is WWE champion, and Kevin Owens is is the champion on Raw. Don't tell me some of that can't pique Punk's interest. I mean, this is this is the wrestling um, uh, uh, landscape that he wanted you know when he left uh it it was the 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 big push on roman reigns and he had just gotten uh uh, past feuding with ryback and and that kind of thing and and uh, doing the job to a 50 year old undertaker at wrestlemania and I get some frustrations that come with that and the rock and all that stuff It, it really is a different landscape right now and I can't help but think that Punk is a, a great fit for this. I mean, I don't, again, I don't count on him showing up in WWE anytime soon, but uh, I, I got to think that a little piece of him just looks around the landscape and thinks, like, man, this is exactly what I was, you know, asking
1: for all those years. You're right. And, and like, you're absolutely right. And I think that none of this would have happened if not for CM Punk and Daniel Bryan. They ushered in this new era, whatever they want to call it, the new era that this thing of going to the indies for the next batch of talent. and um, But there's also kind of the flip side to this. Um, one of my favorite cutaways on The Simpsons was uh, Apu complaining about the quickie mark to Homer, and Homer saying, may I play Devil's Advocate? And it cuts away to Homer playing a pinball game called Devil's Advocate, and then at, <laughs> at the end of the game, he's like, oh, okay, what were you saying? Anyway, but my, my cutaway is to play Devil's Advocate on this, yes, CM Punk would fit in perfectly with the current environment. The current environment in WWE, though, as much as the fans, the hardcore fans, are really loving it. We've got the Cruiserweight Classic. We've got Kevin Owens. We've got AJ Styles. We have this incredible work rate. We have all of these great things that fans have clamored for for so long. And guys like Roman Reigns and John Cena are being pushed aside. And Monday Night Raw's ratings last week, again, against the first week of Monday Night Football, but I believe it was 1.88, Yeah, historic lows. And yes, it's great that things are so exciting and great that Dolph Ziggler is main eventing pay-per-views and AJ Styles is on top and, and all the indie darlings are great. But WWE and its shareholders did not want WWE, the big megalithic company, to become Ring of Honor, drawing 200 fans who are passionate it's going the opposite way. And I'm just thinking that right now the pendulum has swung so fully one way it has to come back the other way, especially with dwindling ratings and and other things going on. Um, Right now, yes, I think this is the era era of the independence in WWE and CM Punk would be perfect for it right now. But I think things are going to change dramatically well before WrestleMania rolls around. And in that landscape, I don't know where Punk would fit in.
0: Let's, uh, very quickly, don't, don't want to spend too much time on it, but but AJ Styles winning the WWE Championship in a, a very good match uh, Sunday night, you know, it, it really is incredible. I mean, this is, you know, as far as lineage, this is the true WWE Championship. This is the championship that was held by Buddy Rogers and Bruno Sammartino and Hulk Hogan, uh, and it is now around the waist of, of AJ Styles, a guy that for years, um, a lot of people, myself included, uh, thought was one of the least likely people ever to be hired uh, by WWE, and he debuted in January. Here we are in in September, and he's got the top title uh, in the company.
1: It's absolutely impressive. It's the the only thing comparable, I, I think, is uh, Chris Jericho. Um, when Jericho came in, and, and it was again, that was a decade ago. More than geez, more than a decade, fifteen years ago. Um, but he came in, and he was a smaller guy. And uh, Again, other small guys had won the title, Shawn Michaels. You had uh, Eddie Guerrero and Chris Benoit later, and even Rey Mysterio. But there was an anecdote, I think, in Jericho's first book, where uh, as he was going out the night that he was going to win the title, uh, as he was waiting at Gorilla, Vince McMahon looked at him and said something along the lines of, Wow. So pro wrestling's come to this. Mm-hmm. You know, like, you know, a 5'10 guy who weighs 215 pounds, you're going to be the world champion. Wow. And, and it was kind of a joke and everything else, but Jericho was a guy who came in at that time. He had his debut uh, in a head-to-head segment with The Rock, and it got huge ratings. And then they didn't know what to do with him, and they kind of settled him down, and they slotted him in this terrible feud with China and, and really kind of turned him into a laughing stock. and he had to kind of fight his way out of that role to, to really show what he could do. And uh, AJ Styles had the big debut. You know, it was at the Royal Rumble. It wasn't as electrifying as something with The Rock. Uh, they kind of tempered his rise a little bit, uh, ironically enough, in a feud with uh, yeah. Chris Jericho, um, but once they got behind him, once uh, WWE solidly said, man, this guy can go and the fans are on board and he can work with anybody and he's got the respect of the locker room, let's go with it. And uh, it's pretty amazing that they did. And, you know, kudos to, to Styles, who's uh, arguably as talented as anyone who's ever held that championship before.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I, I think AJ Styles didn't give them any choice. And, you know, when, when he came in, remember, they were calling him the what do they call him? Like the pint-sized bulldog or something like that. I mean, they were focusing so much on his size and uh, him being Southern and and all that. And, and right out of the gate, it was like, oh boy, they're going to ruin this. And again, I just feel like he didn't give him any choice because time and again, he went out there and just tore the house down. And it's not just, you know, a, a great work rate, which I think was the the misconception of, of WWE and a lot of other people about what AJ Styles brought to the table. They thought, well, another good worker. We have loads of that. And it's not. I mean, I remember seeing AJ at a, a Ring of Honor show, Final Battle, a few years ago in, in Manhattan. And, and really, and I had seen AJ Styles for, for years and years and years. But, um, you know, I think that was a night that I really thought, this guy is just perfect i mean the the this guy could do everything uh and it's not just the the athletic part i mean as we've seen him now portraying a heel he could deliver great poem promos uh he is believable his selling his offense his timing everything is just spot on with this guy uh he he is a masterpiece and and the only shame is that I think he's 39 now i mean and
1: it's like what were you waiting for and i've just got to say though right now somewhere chris masters is fuming because you called aj styles the masterpiece (laughs) clearly chris masters is the only masterpiece yes anyhow uh one last topic
0: and and it's something we talked about a little bit earlier today i hadn't seen until today delete or decay so let's talk a little uh, uh tna Gosh, I don't know. I, I was sort of in the camp of, of people with the Final Deletion uh, who enjoyed it, who praised TNA for some originality and taking a different approach. Uh, clearly, this is th- the next step along that. I w- again, I was entertained. Uh, if it's possible, though, this felt even less like wrestling than uh, the Final Deletion, which at least had a match and a pinfall and a ring uh, this was just, I don't know. Uh, again, I what they do, I feel like they they do well, and the production value is really, really quite good. I mean, when WWE uh, totally ripped TNA off with uh, the the New Day visiting the compound, it wasn't nearly as well done as TNA uh, uh, has done these. But even giving them some rope uh, uh, to say, look. Good for them, trying something, thinking outside the box, being different WWE. It it does get to a point where it's like, all right, you know, you got to reign him in. At the end of the day, this is a wrestling show. So I, uh,
1: you know, there was a, a a statement that we made on here a couple weeks ago, I think, that, that really kind of s- s- stuck to me. Um, I mentioned uh, watching pro wrestling with my dad. And my dad, you know, looking at this match, Roman Reigns against Ben Balor, and my dad's saying, Oh, give me a break. This little guy is going to beat this big guy. That's ridiculous. And you mentioned, well, you had the opposite perspective. You were watching it with your kids, and yeah. your kids were fully on board with Finn Balor and, and you know, uh, pulling for him. And I, I think that's where where wrestling's been hung up for a long time, and, and it may be changing, and I'm probably behind the times on it. I'm more of the old school mentality. Uh, you know, I look at a guy who'd be a bigger, tougher guy in a bar fight. Um, wrestling isn't that anymore and and lucha underground is pushing new borders and boundaries um and and this is completely new boundaries because it absolutely takes away suspension of disbelief and just says yeah this is this is a movie this is a sitcom this has little like goofy lines and here's matt hardy taking through the petting zoo and uh, the the the, the, the joseph yeah the spot monkeys were the, the the bucks of youth (laughs) And and the transformative pond where Joseph Park came out again, like, you know, looking like Ben Gillette. uh, It just, I loved it. It was so, (laughs) it was so terrible. I know it's, it's terrible, but the thing is, all the people involved with that from, from Matt Hardy and his wife and and Jeff and and certainly decay. and, And even the people behind the scenes on the production side and the gardener, and they all have such, excitement about doing this they're passionate about doing this and they know they're doing something completely different and they know that some people aren't going to get it but it's done with such passion and verve and and interest and they give it enough time to gestate and you know i I wouldn't want to tune in every week but man it was one of the most memorable quote-unquote matches i've seen over the past several months do you feel uh, any differently
0: some... now about the final deletion?
1: Or no. do you just think this
0: was better than the final
1: deletion? I, I think this was better, better than final deletion because at it, it first I thought, okay, it's another gimmick to get Matt and Jeff Hardy over. It's it's Hardy against Hardy, and Hardy against Hardy is tired. It was tired 10 years ago. It's, you know, J- Jeff is, is a fraction of the wrestler he, he used to be. Matt Hardy is—he's developed a great character, but you know he's not exactly putting on five-star matches right now. You know, it's it, because that's not what it's about. It's—it's it's character-driven rather than athleticism. This match with or Decay allowed them to bring in outside characters who, who kind of, like you said earlier, got the rub. But they brought in a new element to it. They brought in the horror movie, the the, the whole Manson family type uh, mystique to it. Where, where Rosemary's walking down the street and they hijack a car and they drive to Cameron and, and you know, just all of that. It, it was so devil's rejects. It was so horror movie uh, kind of. But is it wrestling? Now I feel like it's funny. I feel
0: like we've sort of switched places a little bit from the, yeah. the Final Deletion uh, discussion. And again, I mean, I, I think the, the one sort of saving grace about the Final Deletion was that there was a match at the end i mean a, as wacky a match as you've ever seen but a match and you know what i imagine this whole uh uh deal results in a match whether it's at bound for glory and and so in that sense this could be kind of part of wrestling in in that it's essentially the storyline the the build-up to a match that ultimately takes place in a ring and um that's fine but uh and again i i enjoyed it too i mean i was i was thoroughly entertained but if my favorite band um played a concert on uh tna impact every week i'd really enjoy that too you know or if uh uh an awesome stand-up comedian uh did a 20-minute set in the middle of of impact i'd enjoy that as as you know good stand-up but does a wrestling show have some responsibility to uh, sort of stay in its lane somewhat? And as, as much as it's okay to uh, think outside the box and, and try some different things, like you said, Lucha Underground has sort of pioneered that, and, and I think Matt and Jeff Hardy, that this is what they're trying to do. At some point, is it just like, you know, you've, you've just kind of steered too far from what this is supposed to be?
1: I think what make, it makes this one work a little bit more for me is that they almost did away with the pretense of it being a wrestling match. There wasn't a pinfall. There wasn't. It was just a a segment. It was. It was you know Decay showing up, and of course, Broken Matt knew they'd come, and you know. Uh, but and it was just silly and and kind of goofy. But it wasn't trying to be wrestling. It was trying to be something different. And what I didn't like is, I guess. I appreciate wrestling. I, I love wrestling. I, you know, I've, I've been a wrestling fan for thirty odd years. It, it, the thing is, when you take something out of the ring, I begin to feel like a traditionalist and say, "No, it, it, it shouldn't be like this." The elimination chamber, I still think, is a terrible match because oh, what are pods? What's it's terrible, but it, because it's the traditionalist in me, I'm, I'm slow to embrace those changes. This, they kind of took the wrestling right out of it and just let the characters be characters in a different setting. And it gave the characters the opportunity to to develop and, 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 and really entertain more than, than they have been able to up until this point. So with that being said, it, it wasn't a wrestling match um, per se, uh, but it was a great segment. And certainly... You can't do it every week. You have to space it out. You know, once every two, three months or so, have a match like this, and bring in different characters. Use something like this format to really kind of really flesh out Bobby Lashley or or Drew Galloway, who are guys who I think have the talent but could really use a little bit more personality. Um, I think this might really kind of work for something like that. So uh, that being said, I really i i liked it i i shouldn't have but i did
0: <laughs> i i'm definitely uh willing to to give them um the benefit of the doubt and and you know there's an old saying you know in, in 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 wrestling the right way to do it is is the way that draws money right so uh and there was a noticeable uptick for tna uh with the final deletion so you know it's fine to say this isn't wrestling but uh, if what else do they got
1: going? You know, they... now, if you remember, you're back in '89 or '90, the AWA back in its dying days used to have Celebrity Corner. Do you remember that segment? Yeah. Uh, and it would be 20 minutes of an interview with just a C-list celebrity, <laughs> and it was it was even if you videotaped it on VHS, you had to fast forward through it. It was it was so painful to get through. Now. You know, once, like you were saying, you have a stand-up comedian, you have a band, they do their thing, whatever, that's that's fine. I, I wouldn't want to see these types of things become like the AWA Celebrity Corner, where you're like, oh, this again, we have to get through it. But once every few months with the right storyline that's built up to this kind of culmination, I think it works really well. Anyhow, before you go, just a, a, a quick
0: mention, because of all this talk about what wrestling is and isn't. Um, I attended a, in my first Evolve show uh, Saturday night on Long Island. It was uh, Johnny Gargano's last singles match, and, and I talked to Johnny um, ahead of time, and going to have some audio here in the next couple of weeks. Uh, and, you know, in terms of reminding you what you love about wrestling, I just had such a great time at that show. It was about 120 degrees inside this place in uh, a little uh, a warehouse in, in Deer Park, the NYWC Sportatorium, and uh, it was the first time I took my my kid to an indie show. And, uh, you know, his eyes were just, you know, wide open and how close we were to the action and it, just how, how different it was from a WWE show. And uh, it was just fantastic. There was a match in there, Tony Nese, uh, Matt Riddle, Ricochet. It was a three-way with them, and, and Johnny Gargano kind of introduced the match. And uh, it was just this, this moment with the four guys in the ring thinking... You know, there's every possibility that everybody in that ring is going to be a, a major star uh, in WWE in the next few years. And that's cool. It's kind of a reminder of of uh, how great indie wrestling can be uh, at its best. So, uh, yeah, that was very cool. And have you seen Matt Riddle? Uh, again, kind of full circle back to the UFC. Uh, uh, we had a wrestler try his hand at, at UFC, and we got now a former UFC star trying his hand uh, at wrestling. And uh, he is really super talented. I mean, he's got a bright, bright future.
1: It's funny. I haven't. I've seen a little bit of Riddle, but I've seen uh, Shayna Baszler, mm-hmm. who just won the uh, A I W title, the A I W women's title in Ohio. Um, Shayna Baszler with UFC, um, uh, who I've seen a lot in Shimmer. And man, I really thought that. Uh, I thought somebody coming from UFC would have a tougher transition because wrestling, pro wrestling is kind of give and take and you have to understand the psychology and how to tell a story. It's not just about getting tap outs. And uh, Shayna was one of the best pure natural talents uh, I've ever seen. So if she's got the mentality or if he's got the mentality and he's a bit similar to her uh, plus the athleticism and the, the technical know-how, um, then you know my hat's off to him because I, it, I didn't expect somebody to come from that world and, and be that talented at pro wrestling and and i was wrong
0: yeah and and what it shows you going back to the the punk discussion is that whatever that that itch is in uh some of these types you know the, these fighter types um you can sometimes scratch that itch in a pro wrestling ring i mean i i think a lot of pro wrestlers uh feel this kind of insecurity about uh competing in a worked sport and then uh you know they feel and, and punk obviously that that there was an issue there because he always had kind of this mma inspired wrestling style with the muay thai kicks and all that um and and to prove that no i'm not just a phony you know i could do this for real uh but you know you you can be you can train in mma and be a tough guy and all that and make your living in a pro wrestling ring and it's perfectly respectable and uh Maybe Punk realizes that, and uh, we get him back. Uh, Anyhow, thank you, Dan. Uh, As always, a fun talk. Um, Let's hear uh, on the topic of CM Punk and MMA and wrestling and and a lot more from the current Ring of Honor heavyweight champion, Adam Cole. Adam, how are you? Thanks for joining us on the PWI Podcast.
2: Uh, I'm doing great. Uh, I've been busier than ever, uh, considering now I'm a two-time Ring of Honor World Champion. But it's a good busy. I like yeah. to keep myself busy. So, uh, yeah, yeah, some exciting times coming up here.
0: Let, let's talk about that. So you just started your, your second reign. That puts you in elite companies, a multi-time uh, ROH champion. How, uh, and I know it's, it's still early on, but how is this uh, reign different than your first one? I mean, do you feel... More experienced, better equipped for what it means to be a Ring of Honor, Ring of Honor champion this time around.
2: Yeah, I, I think you hit the nail on the head um, because thinking about the differences of how I feel this time as opposed to the last time is that I, I mean, the first time I won the Ring of Honor World Championship, I was like a twenty-three-year-old kid. I was scared to death. You know, I, I may have portrayed on television and at uh, Ring of Honor events that that I was all confident and cocky, but. Uh, I really wasn't I was thinking you know how can I make this title reign the best I can I have all these great guys to live up to Um, you know very much questioning uh, if I could do it Um, but this second time I feel so much more comfortable so much more relaxed because after multiple main events in Ring of Honor after traveling all over the world after being champion for the first time I know that I can do it and with this second reign I know I can do it even better so I think comfortability is a big thing with me this time.
0: Is there any uh, hesitancy when uh, you're following uh, a a long-running, successful uh, champion like uh, Jay Lethal, who's had this reign that, you know, I've talked to Joe Coff, and and he raves Mm -hmm. about uh, Jay Lethal, and and, uh, a lot of others do, so you're coming in. Uh, sort of interrupting that, starting something new. Again, Any does it put added pressure on you to kind of keep this thing going?
2: You know, I, I've thought about that. I've had moments where I thought, oh, wow, I'm going to gonna have a lot to live up to because what you just said, Jay Lethal, no question, uh, had one of the uh, Best Ring of Honor World Championship reigns. He, he carried that uh, title with pride and did a, did a really, really great job. But uh, I'm, I'm really not too worried about it because uh, the reason being is my title reign – Uh, As similar as some factors may be, it also will be very different. And uh, different in Ring of Honor is good because our roster is just filled with some of the most talented wrestlers in the world. So uh, Jay Lethal's reign was very much needed for the championship, did a great job. But it's also good to change things up and make things different and keep the people on the edge of their seats. So um, I have have no fear that uh, even though my title reign may be different than Jay Lethal's, I feel it will be just as good.
0: Yeah, yeah. Do you feel it gives you a a little extra bit of momentum, your your affiliation now with the Bullet Club, how hot they are? I uh, I talked to Kenny Omega last week, and and we talked about, you know, really not since the NWO have we seen a wrestling faction, a wrestling group with uh, as much influence on pop culture. And you see the Mm t-shirts out there. A lot of people don't even know what the t-shirts are, and they're wearing them. Uh, So again, does that give you kind of a boost?
2: Yeah, for sure. I'm just that, I'm so amazed that like, what you're saying is so exactly correct uh, as far as the Bullet Club's influence. Uh, I mean, definitely being a part of this group has, has definitely changed my career. I mean, I, I mean I'm, I'm not joking. I think when I joined the Bullet Club, I had more people uh, talking about me than anything that I've done in my career. That night I joined the Bullet Club, so uh, it, it certainly created a lot of buzz uh, around my name, so so being a part of the Bullet Club and then winning the Ring of Honor World Championship for a second time uh, created even more buzz. I, I mean, uh, because of this, I'm going to get my career started here in a couple of weeks at New Japan Pro Wrestling. So a lot of really really cool stuff coming up in the works.
0: Yeah, yeah. Let's talk a bit about uh, New Japan, and I know more and more we're seeing New Japan talent on Ring of Honor shows and vice versa. And you talk about you going to, to New Japan soon. Um, what what does that do for really both promotions, but but maybe Ring of Honor in particular? I think New Japan is established as the, the premier promotion in Japan. Uh, mm-hmm. Ring of Honor, you know, obviously you've got WWE in the United States. There, you know, Get a lot it. of people consider you the number two. But does this add to the visibility, the credibility, um, having... Uh, some of the elite performers uh, that are in New Japan working with Ring of Honor?
2: Absolutely. When we started uh, this relationship a couple of years ago, I think it more started as like a vision uh, for, okay, look, let's give uh, the diehard Ring of Honor fans a dream scenario where we bring over some New Japan guys and kind of just see how it goes. Uh, we knew it would be successful because of New Japan's popularity, uh, especially to the die-hard Ring of Honor fan. Uh, But since then, with with our guys going over to Japan and making uh, names for themselves over in Japan, uh, that's really, really helped the visibility of Ring of Honor. And I think it's helped the growth of Ring of Honor. Because like you had said, I mean, if you look worldwide, um, I think it's safe to say that New Japan Pro Wrestling, as far as success, is the number two company in the world. So for Ring of Honor to be associated with that, it's really brought us up to a different level. Uh, The guys challenge themselves more because every time the New Japan guys come over, we know that they're going to bring their A game. We know they're going to bring their best, so we have to bring our best. Uh, At the same time, too, I I think the visibility of New Japan in America uh, has really increased because of the uh, relationship with Ring of Honor. Uh, Lots of times, too, when, when these New Japan guys come over, and people who maybe haven't uh, religiously checked out New Japan Pro Wrestling, but they see uh, an Okada, a Tanahashi, a Shibata, and they're blown away by these guys' skills and these guys' talents. Uh, you know, maybe they will get on New Japan World and check out some of the stuff. So I think the relationship across the board for for both companies has been great. I know certainly since the, uh, the relationship, some fans uh, in Japan have started following my career because of the relationship. And I know for certain that there are uh, American wrestling fans who just recently started following New Japan, so it's a win-win for both companies. Yeah,
0: absolutely. And and you talked about you know Ring of Honor being the number two. I I think it is. Um, but you know, there there's a sense that there was a peak maybe a year ago, and and maybe the trajectory is a little bit downward uh, now. I went to um, uh, Field of Honor in Brooklyn a few mm-hmm. weeks ago. Had a great time there. Um, but I was surprised that, you know, the crowd wasn't what I thought it would be. I mean, it, it and you had, uh, these stars of New Japan, you had Tanahashi, Naito there, and I don't know what the official figure was, but I'd estimate it at around, I don't know, three to 500. Um, you know, I, 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 I think that might be disappointing. I don't know how Ring of Honor looked at it. Uh, you know, any concerns about that and, and maybe the crowds not being as as big as you'd like?
2: Well, I was told, and I don't know how how accurate this is, but I was actually told by the end of the night uh, we had a lot more than, than three or five, uh, three to five hundred. We were maybe down uh, five hundred people from last year. Uh, at least that's what I was told. So I don't know if that's accurate or not. But uh, nonetheless, the the crowd that was there uh, was good. You know, it was exciting. It's different when it's a baseball stadium. But uh, certainly, you know, a couple of people had said like, oh no, you know, the audience is a little bit down, and we had the New Japan guys there um i i think the biggest factor with that was the difference of uh the, you know they got to see the new japan stars in brooklyn i believe for the very first time in that stadium uh last year so that was the big appeal that everyone got to go and check out the uh, new japan guys for the first time but really generally speaking uh you know we weren't too worried about it just considering the fact that uh every town that we've gone to every arena we go to generally the houses that are up uh, Definitely the crowds are rowdy. Uh, you know, you look at, at final battle this year in the Hammerstein ballroom. We're fully expecting to sell out the Hammerstein. So we got some really good stuff coming up. Even if we don't knock uh, every single event attendance-wise completely out of the park with a home run, we are making progress with, with little steps sometimes that people can't see. So uh, no one no one's too worried about it.
0: Yeah, the other big difference versus last year was SummerSlam, right? And and uh, sure. the, the wealth of fans that were in the Brooklyn area for that week and for that show, almost this WrestleMania kind of vibe, where you had people converging uh, on in Brooklyn, and and I imagine they Break gave point. yeah Ring of Honor boost yeah. last year. Um, so and and in that that uh, uh, match again, there was some new J- Japan talent, uh, Naito and Tanahashi. Um, is is it seamless for you working with guys uh, like that, where there might be something of a, a language barrier versus working with your American uh, counterparts, and not just language, but the style? Does does it uh, take you by surprise? Is it sometimes uh, a little harder to to keep up, um, or is it all right. kind of this universal language that that everybody speaks?
2: Yeah, yeah. I, initially, working uh, uh, with Japanese pro wrestlers, it's very intimidating. Like, like, I remember I went on my first tour of a group called Big Japan Pro Wrestling back in like 2011 or 2012. And it was really, really intimidating thinking I'm going to be, you know, putting these matches together in a country I've never been to before, um, you know, with guys who, who don't speak good English and I don't speak good Japanese. So it, w- it was very intimidating. But. Uh, after working with these guys, especially the New Japan guys, uh, these guys are so talented, and wrestling is such a universal language that I actually feel it's been easier to call matches uh, with the New Japan guys. Uh, The reason being is lots of times in pro wrestling, especially in Ring of Honor, because the bar has been set so high, you have a tendency to kind of overthink the process sometimes and want to change things or rethink things to just try to get every possible positive reaction out of the audience uh when when you work with the new japan guys you kind of have to just trust your instincts and and go with it and uh you know of course there's there's some discussion beforehand but there's not too much overthinking going on it's all it's more so based on feel uh when you wrestle a new japan guy and lots of times when it is based on feel that's where the magic happens you know the fans are really excited to see these dream ring of honor new japan scenarios. So, again, you have to go out there kind of based on your gut because you can't plan every little step along the way. So I've actually found it easier uh, uh, to put together stuff with the New Japan talents.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I know uh, here, stateside, a guy you've been paired with a lot, both as a uh, tag team partner and an opponent at times, Kyle O'Reilly who is is one of the guys who who people talk about as really with yourself included the future of of the wrestling business and yeah. and a guy whose style is uh is so unique. I mean, I saw that match in Brooklyn with yeah. uh, Shibata and and it's, you know, it's hard to even describe what you're watching. I mean, it's this hybrid MMA uh uh wrestling match. Um what what are your thoughts uh on him? His Potential, you know, what is the ceiling for him? Do you see him as potentially a real difference maker in the future?
2: Yeah, I've, uh, for for people that maybe don't know, I've known Kyle since 2009. I was like a year into my wrestling career at that point. Kyle had been wrestling a few years longer than me. Uh, And we met each other uh, the night we actually wrestled each other. Uh, We wrestled each other for Gabe Sapolsky at a Dragon Gate USA pre-show and uh when we when we worked together it just clicked and it meshed and uh, we had really really great chemistry together obviously our storied history with us teaming together as future shock and ring of honor and and now more so than ever we're in the middle of of one of my craziest feuds i've ever been a part of but but speaking strictly of kyle o'reilly uh there's no question that, that kyle is one of the most gifted and talented wrestlers that I've ever been in the ring with. He certainly is someone that I have a chemistry with that you just you just can't teach. It's just there. It just happens that every time we have matches together, it just gels, um, and Kyle's very special. Uh, Kyle's a guy who uh, will and could be a future Ring of Honor world champion. He's a guy who any company that he goes to, he makes an impact, he gets really over. And he stands out, like you said, his style is is so different and he does it so well uh, that he's a guy that um, audiences all over the world kind of keep their eyes on. So, yeah, Kyle's extremely gifted. He takes this job very, very seriously. And uh, there's no question in my mind that five, ten years from now, uh, the wrestling world will be talking about Kyle O'Reilly.
0: Yeah, yeah. And again, that sort of marriage of, of MMA and pro wrestling is something you don't see, uh too much and and you know those two worlds collided this past week with cm punk uh fighting in in UFC um right. any any thoughts on that whole deal and uh yeah. what what its potential impact is on on pro wrestling you know there's a thought that does this uh potentially push punk back into the pro wrestling world Does this make wrestling fans a little less accepting of him and kind of hurt his credibility. Um, or do you think, you know, fans of both sports are are able to separate the two, and and one really has no impact on the other?
2: Sure, sure. Well, I'll tell you what. Uh, you had a bunch of different range of emotions for the CM Punk fight. I mean, you had people that said, uh, "What a disgrace! What a joke! Uh, how embarrassing for the sport! That guy sucked! What was he thinking?" And other other people who were like you know, extremely supportive. Uh, And if I had to pick a a side to be on, I'm I'm more so the supportive side, not because I'm I'm a close personal friends with Punk. Uh, I I was a big fan of his work as a professional wrestler when he did work. But just again, the idea that that someone decided to train really hard for something was given the opportunity. Again, he didn't, you know, finagle his way into getting into the UFC. They wanted him to fight the UFC uh, and, and he went for it and did it. So I think it's cool. I think it's a story and a case of a guy who, who wanted to uh, try something, had the guts to go out and actually do it. And, uh, you know, obviously uh, the more talented fighter won. But, but the fact that the guy went out and trained and did it was pretty cool to me. I, 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 was, uh, I thought it was uh, very admirable. Um, as far as impact on pro wrestling or anything like that, I have no idea if CM Punk would ever come back to pro wrestling. Uh, I think it would be great for pro wrestling. But I don't know. I mean, to me, even after he lost, he seemed pretty adamant about wanting to fight again, whether that's in the UFC or not. Only time will tell. But he definitely seemed interested in that. Uh, And I don't know. I I think CM Punk is such a commodity uh, in the world of pro wrestling that I think even though he did fight the UFC, I think if anything, it just created uh, uh, another chapter to his legacy. And I think if he ever did return, I think the audience would welcome him with open arms. And be ecstatic to see him because again, he Punk wasn't just a great wrestler, he was a special wrestler. Um so so I think the the audience would definitely receive him.
0: Yeah, yeah. And and I actually think I don't know if you'd agree that if he was to return to, to wrestling, it's almost more likely that he'd end up in a place like Ring of Honor than than WWE because mm-hmm. clearly he's a guy who who's not necessarily motivated by money uh right. or fame and his his love of pro wrestling um, is is sort of more encapsulated in a promotion like Ring of Honor than in WWE, and he still has lots of connections there and that kind of thing. So, um, you know, is, is it something that that you guys ever think about, talk about uh, the potential of it happening down the line?
2: Uh, you know, it hasn't been discussed too much, you know, at least amongst uh, the boys in the locker room, because again. Uh, You know, for the past two years, it just seemed that anytime professional wrestling was brought up to CM Punk, uh, it was the last thing he wanted to talk about. You know, all he wanted to talk about was was fighting and preparing for this fight. Now that this fight is over, who knows what's going through his head? Maybe he is kind of getting that itch again uh, to return. But I can tell you uh, from from all the guys in the locker room, and I'm sure the Ring of Honor office, uh, not only because of CM Punk's legacy as a pro wrestler within the WWE and this – uh, extremely popular UFC fight that he just had, but CM Punk was one of the forefathers of Ring of Honor, and, and on a personal level, CM Punk was the reason I started following Ring of Honor and independent wrestling as a whole in the first place. So I, I think it would be really, really cool uh, for for our fans, for our locker room, if CM Punk ever did decide to return to pro wrestling. I think he'd he'd certainly have a home at Ring of Honor. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Another former Ring of Honor champion who who's uh found a lot of success is Kevin Owens yeah. and uh a photo that you were a part of <laughs> broke the internet as as they say uh in the last day or two and and it's you and Kevin with your respective title belts uh in two beds in what looks like a, a hotel somewhere and you're flipping the channel <laughs> on the T V and uh it's really a terrific photo. Can you give me sort of the backstory of that photo?
2: Sure, sure, yeah, yeah. Um well uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, me and Kevin Owens are, are very, very close. Uh, for as busy as that guy is, and, and my schedule's pretty busy too, uh, we talk almost every day. We, you know, we always keep in contact with each other. And Kevin was a big reason that I was kind of given a chance uh, to perform as a top guy uh, in, in Pro Wrestling Guerrilla. He, he gave me the confidence to, to be on top in Ring of Honor he always had my back. He always educated me. He always helped me through the process. And, um, he's a tremendous friend. He was a guy who was always there for me too. So even with him going to the WWE, uh, that friendship is still there. That connection is still there. Um, so I, I even told him, I said the night that he won the universal championship, I could tell, um, I, I could just tell with his energy and, uh, his body language and the energy in the room when he came out, I said, oh, I, I think tonight's going to be the night Kevin's going to win. And uh, so for him to win that championship was so awesome. Uh, WWE happened to be in town uh, in, uh, in you know, the Baltimore, Philadelphia area. So, so I decided to go down and, and see Kevin. And uh, really the, the picture with the championship belts, it was we just both had our belts because we both had some work to do. Obviously, Kevin wrestling, I had some appearances to do with Ring of Honor. And we decided to snap a picture and uh, share it with the world. So I'm, I'm glad that everyone enjoyed the picture because yeah. uh, we definitely enjoyed taking it.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I'm not going to ask you about going to WWE, but I'm asking you about people asking you about going to WWE. Sure. And uh, again, does it does it get to wear on you after a while that inevitably that that is always the question and maybe sort of the – the suggestion is, you know, you haven't made it until you've made it to WWE. Sure. Is is it bothersome for a guy who is, you know, at the top of his profession and at the top of his promotion, making a living, successful, internationally touring? Um, again, is it does that become sort of a a chip on your shoulder? Not. The fact that you're not there, but that people are always asking you about it.
2: Right. Right. Uh, no, not at all. Um, to me, because again, this this perception is reality concept of, uh, and I have no problem saying this, and this is this is just a fact. But WWE is the number one pro wrestling company in the world. I mean, there's no arguing that. Uh, so, so for for casual fans or, or diehard fans to say. Ah, uh, when's Adam Cole gonna WWE? Uh, gonna be in WWE? He's gotta be there. He's gotta be there. That's just a compliment to me, and, and that's how I take it. Uh, it. You know, them thinking that I should go and and make a ton of money somewhere or or go somewhere else. And you know, people have been saying that for years. But l- like you had said, um, man, I am t- extremely happy and 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 very very content and motivated. Uh, with what I have coming up in Ring of Honor, you know, just winning the Ring of Honor World Championship for a second time, getting uh, to, to start my career over in New Japan pro wrestling. Uh, so obviously, too, especially in 2016, uh, in, in a world of pro wrestling where things are so crazy and people are showing up in places you never thought they would. I, I've said, although the style and the presentation may be different, this is the closest thing to the Attitude Era we've ever seen with uh, all all people's independent favorites or other favorites showing up in the WWE, guys from the WWE leaving and coming to companies like Ring of Honor and Pro Wrestling Guerrilla. It's a really, really exciting time. So naturally, um, you know, the top independent guys are going to be the ones who end up on that list of guys people are talking about going to WWE. So I've always taken it uh, as, a, as a flattering comment. It's never bothered me. But again, you know, for those wondering – uh, I, I have a lot of work to do here in Ring of Honor in New Japan, so yeah, just stay tuned on that front.
0: Yeah. And what does it say about Ring of Honor in New Japan that you look at the, the three top title holders in WWE's three brands, Nakamura, AJ Styles, and and Kevin Owens, and, and they all came from that world and that style? I mean, is it really uh, a testament to the quality of wrestling that you'll see at a Ring of Honor show?
2: It is. It, I, I, and I'm not kidding. I, I was just having this discussion the other night. Uh, I think wrestling in 2016 across the board is almost too good. I mean, there are like excellent matches every single week, multiple different hours uh, of wrestling events yeah. uh, on, on multiple different pra- platforms. It's crazy. You know, the, the wrestling quality is just insane. But again, I, I think that's a testament to uh, this is just my opinion. I believe that that being in this Internet age where everyone has the Internet, everyone's on their phone, everyone has all this access to all these all this different type of, uh, types of wrestling, all this great wrestling, I think the perception from a casual wrestling fan, even now it's no longer just a, a diehard fan, but a casual fan, their expectation of what they want out of a professional wrestler in a professional wrestling match has changed. The, the bar has definitely been set higher. So you're seeing all these guys who were, you know, widely regarded as the most talented wrestlers in the world, just, just, you know, running pro wrestling, uh, you know, across all boards and every company. So in the internet age, that's that's the one thing that's been been very, very positive. Uh, you see a bunch of different talented people across all these different companies, and uh, again, re- wrestling has just been so rewarding. Not just as a fan, I'm sure, but definitely as a wrestler
0: yeah yeah and not everybody's on board with with the change you know there was that match earlier sure. this year uh will osprey and ricochet in, in new japan that kind of created a lot of debate and it was right. you know, some people saw it as uh sort of a glimpse into the future and and where the mm-hmm. style is going to uh and other people were really down on it vader was sort of the the spokesman for you know this is not wrestling this at some point it stops looking like a fight um What's your take on that? I mean, are yeah. are you okay with something uh, to the extreme of what what Osprey and Ricochet put on? Does that need to be dialed back a little bit?
2: Uh, I am absolutely okay uh, with what Ricochet and Will Osprey did. Number one, most importantly, no one got hurt. Uh, that that's the most important thing. When guys really start injuring themselves and uh, you know can't have uh, or, or can't work the next night, that's when. That's when the problems kind of come in. But the, you know, the comment of uh, – this is not – here's the thing. Everyone has their, their um, uh, reason and ability to believe whatever they want to believe. That's the coolest thing about wrestling. It's all opinionated. But the, the number one thing that I love about pro wrestling is we're the only sport or we're the only form of entertainment where you can create any scenario and just do it. I love how there are so many different styles and so many different ways you can tell a story and so many different ways you can get the crowd to ooh and ah uh, on, on any continent and, and any country across the world. I think it's the most beautiful thing about pro wrestling. But again, talking about uh, you know this, that this is where pro wrestling could be going, I'll, I'll tell you for a fact that this is not necessarily where pro wrestling is going because no one in the world can do what Will Ospreay and Ricochet did. <laughs> I mean, they're they're two of the most physically gifted athletes in pro wrestling right now, and they wouldn't had a physical showcase. I, I definitely can tell you, they will not see me and Jay Lethal, or <laughs> me and Kyle O'Reilly doing what those two did. Be, not only because our our matches are different, but because we physically can't. So so if you didn't like that match, uh, you have every right to not like it. I loved it. Uh, But I I think people who are worried about wrestling going in that direction, I think they don't have to be worried because there are not many people in the world that can do that. Yeah,
0: yeah, absolutely. All right, Adam, thank you so much. Thanks for taking some time here. I think you're doing great over there. Keep up the good work, and uh, we'll keep watching. Absolutely. Always a pleasure to talk
2: to you.